Welcome to 2.23am, a call to uncommon action, where we seek to create spaces and places for entrepreneurs and business leaders to express their wholeness through evolutionary business that serves the well-being of all. I'm Christine McDougall. Today my guest is none other than the remarkable spiral wizard Don Beck. Don works with and teaches spiral dynamics. Spiral dynamics reveals the hidden codes that shape human nature, create global diversity and drive evolutionary change. These magnetic forces attract and repel individuals, form the webs that connect people within organisations and forge the rise and fall of nations and cultures. Don was involved in the healthy end to apartheid and has been working for elegant and peaceful solutions in the Middle East. If you are not familiar with spiral dynamics, you are in for a treat. If you are familiar with spiral dynamics, I'm sure Don will tilt your worldview in some way or another during this episode. As usual, quotes from this episode, links, etc., Don's bio are all found in the show notes at www.blog.223am.com forward slash podcast. If any of you are interested uh, in, uh, in a direct conversation with Dr. David Martin, uh, he was our first guest. We are hosting a teleconference event with David on the 15th of December Australian time, that's the 14th of December in the United States, where we'll, he will introduce people to integral accounting and ask questions and answer questions that people might have about integral accounting. If you are interested to attend this uh, teleconference, please email me directly at christine at 223am.com for details. Oh, and if you love this podcast, please do go to iTunes and rate it, as this will help us get more listeners and increase our, explo- our exposure. Thanks for listening. Today I'm speaking with Don Beck. Don is in Texas and Don is, uh, has for the majority of his life um, been uh, working in the world and teaching and supporting the work of Spiral Dynamics, um, which I'll get Don to describe what that is to you. Um, anyway, welcome Don. It's really great to be speaking with you today. Well, thank you very much. It's, uh, it seems like you're just next door. <laughs> next door by a few thousand miles. <laughs> uh, so um, I start with the question, uh, which you can either answer from a literal or metaphorical point of view. Um, what wakes you at 2.23 a.m.? Well, because I get messages from the, from the West Bank. Uh, on the ongoing Israeli-Palestine conflict, it has different chapters to it, and and my partner Elza Malouf, who's from Lebanon, and I had a opportunity to do a summit on the future of Palestine a couple of years ago. Yeah. So we're deeply embedded in that problem, and that is the reoccurring. And then we're going to Russia uh, in a few days to sort out. That issue, I found out they they don't have, they don't have diet vodka, so I guess I'll survive without it. <laughs> they don't have diet vodka. Is that what you said? A vodka, yeah. Okay, so so let me just I'm going to go because I know that you have an opinion about this because of of the work that you do. So 
So you, you answer the question literally. Um, you literally get woken because you're getting messages. Um, so can I can I ask you what is what are your um, what are your concerns? And it can also be you know what you feel very positive about. What are what are the things that are moving you in the sort of quiet moments of your own reflection, or things that are causing you? You know where are your focus points in those? Uh, the, the quiet, dark times of, of personal reflection. So you about the, the, either the state of the world today or, you know, the work that you're doing in the world or the tensions that you're experiencing or, you know, what, you know what's that for you at the moment? That's a, that's a good question. Um, actually, I'm, I'm very optimistic. You know, I was influenced by the work of Claire Douglas Graves who spoke about a momentous leap that the human species was about to make. And I've been working with his concept now for 30 years. And it's clear that the turbulence that we are seeing uh, simply signs of growth, not decay, that we're trying to jettison an old order and embrace a new one. So we're in a state of flux. Uh, mm-hmm. Having left point A, like the, the uh, Arab Spring, we don't yet know what point B is. We we yet to figure out right. what's next. So I'm actually I'm I'm full of some hubris, of course. Uh, yet I, what I'm seeing are, are signs of major shifts which are occurring, and we're simply going through the uh, the turbulence as as a term that will make sense in Australia. Is the old wine skins cannot contain this new wine. And so it's embracing what the world is becoming and being able, uh, even as as uh, my own president spoke today at the UN on the fact that we are shifting from a set of problems into an integral system. But we don't know yet how to do it, we think. And so it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a yeasty time for people like me who have in one sense been forecasting these days and trying to get pe- uh, people ready or the kind of transformation that's going to be happening, in which is a pretty uncertain outcome. Yet, uh, the the blessing in this is that that uh, we can go back to the future and forward to the past in the same generation that we have an opportunity to encounter all of the value systems that have historically appeared on the planet Earth all at the same time. Now that seems like it's a it's a quite a complex task, and of course it is, with uncertain outcomes. Yet uh, it's uh, it's it's a time for us to really get serious about what we believe, and become very active. So I've been for 35 years been sowing the seeds around the planet itself, finding people like you and others who uh, are going to be involved in this major transformation, uh, hoping that we can together design the appropriate systems, field test them, uh, fund them, and then observe what will follow if we are successful. Because every solution, as you know, produces the next set of problems. So that's Mm -hmm. what life is, by the way. And so we never yeah. get to un- un- unpack ourselves. So that, so that's what occurs to me. So I, I guess I'm happy, not that, that people are suffering. There's major bloodshed and Ebola is becoming a serious problem. All those things, 
and I don't know for sure what nature is saying to us yet, but I'm listening very carefully. Yeah, lovely. Um, so just um, you've said a lot of things in there, uh, and, and you know, I'm mindful of the different people that will be listening to this. And so perhaps uh, you could give the, the short, simple version of, of the lens that you view the world, which is spiral dynamics. Yeah, this this was the creation of my my friend Claire W. Graves, a Union College college in Schenectady. He and Maslow were good friends and colleagues, and he was teaching a, a graduate course in psychology at Union College, and he would teach a unit on the various uh, psychological theories. There's Freudian, there's Watson Skinner behaviorism, there's Carl Rogers humanism, and then the new cognitive sciences, and had. And at the end of the course, the students would say, fine, Dr. Grace, which theory is right? Well, he couldn't answer the question. Mm -hmm. So he said, there must be something else operating here that we are not recognizing as, as we slip from system to system to system, each one claiming it has the answer. Mm -hmm. So he, he started a major research effort using some very innovative processes beyond the verbal self-reporting to identify what he thought was was the system maker, that is to say, the generator of these different systems, rather than uh, simply try to embrace what's next. He wanted to know why what is next is next. Well, that got my attention down here in Texas because I hadn't heard anything like that. So I went to see him in, in, uh, in New York, in Rexford, and sure enough, he was bonafide. He was what he what he said he was, and that that began that became a long term relationship. And that he he took me under wing, and I brought him here to Texas, and even took him down to Bourbon Street in New Orleans. That was really a scene when he and his wife Marion <laughs> experienced a part of the world that they they had read about, but they had never encountered it. So it, right. it was that kind of relationship as as I in a sense became a student, although I was never a formal student. I guess I was always a student because he was answering the questions that that uh, that I was asking. Why are there different systems in people? Why do some systems suddenly appear and others disappear? Mm -hmm. What is that dynamic that causes that? Because underneath are management models, education models, geopolitical trends, uh, sport, sports motivation, a big topic in Australia, of course. Now, all those things, there must be yeah. something deeper. And so that really was what got me into this understanding of what he called the emergent, cyclical, double helix model of biopsychosocial systems development, which is why we call it spiral dynamics. That's a yes. <laughs> so that, that and, and so, okay, and so so say a little bit more about just give people a little bit more of an experience of uh, for those listeners that have not heard of spiral dynamics or don't have any background in that. Just give a little bit more, um, sort of like, um, and perhaps using uh, some some of the current scenarios that are playing out in the world. Sure, yeah. um, well, uh, yeah. Australians as a group know a lot about South Africa. This seems not, yeah. It's not just in, in, the, in the rugby connection, but so many South Africans, when they started to leave the country, the term was they pack for Perth. 
So I'm sure that there's a, a lot of packs of Perth. Packs yes. of Perth, yeah. Yes. That, yes. that means leave leave the country. So yes, uh, I made 64 trips to South Africa, and my purpose was to identify the nature of the differences in that society as a microcosm of the planet, because mm-hmm. the distributions of what today we call pre-modern, and then modern, and then post-modern and now integral, existed in South Africa at the time at almost the precise ratio in which they existed in the planet. So what mm-hmm. I had was a wonderful laboratory. Uh, yes. And Graves worked with me closely to see if we could understand the apartheid system, why it existed, and what could be the elements necessary to dissolve it. But then not stop there, because as you know, uh, too often we work on getting rid of what we don't want without specifying what we do want. So mm-hmm. it, it became apparent to me that I couldn't just, you know, cry with alarm about the the evil empire of apartheid. I had to also figure out what could be the alternative. How could yeah. we find a way to replace it in the process of dissolving it with a model that deals with the difficulties in it so that there is a distribution formula in the governmental economic systems that covered over the huge gaps between the haves and have-nots that were basically then based on skin color, white versus black, and African versus European, and all those differences were really augmented dramatically and so the mm-hmm. the challenge was using South Africa as a microcosm is to find a model of governing the whole system that put it in a flow state, not a permanent condition, but to systematically begin to close the gaps in such a way that the society could handle them as opposed to suddenly it was one system and now it's the next one but people educated, trained, <clears throat> reinforced, managed under the old system that suddenly became managers, which, you know, is quite a, is quite a leap. So yeah. I, I wrote a book called The Crucible, Forging South Africa's Future with a South African journalist, Graham Linscott, down from, uh, from Durban, in order to map out a whole strategy for what is next for South Africa, giving the shift out of apartheid. So that that was the challenge, mm-hmm. not just to assist in the dissolve of apartheid, but then to replace it based on what apartheid had produced. Mm-hmm. Because either apartheid or in this country, uh, uh, slavery and racism and Jim Crow laws did damage. The question was, what damage did it do? And how is it possible, recognizing that indeed happened, what could be done then to fill the gaps in such a way that everybody benefits? And that's the challenge globally, as well as yeah. the challenge in uh, in South Africa. Right. Can you just speak about some of the systems that are at play in the world today and, and some of their distinguishing features? And how um, and, and why having a, a tool such as Spiral Dynamics um, to assist in, in um, how we um, are working and engaging and seeing the world can be um, 
can give us a, a frame of reference that, ma- for me, it makes sense. You know, it creates a, a, a place that makes sense. I can make sense of things in the world that could, we could simply reduce to um, religion or colour or violence or hate. Well, what uh, obviously that, that, that we've had to do is replace the typical stereotypes. In South Africa, it was about race. In the Middle yes. East, it's about religion. But what if, in both of those cases, the real differences are not about race or religion, but they're about right. internal and external value systems? Yeah. So r- rather than seeing black, when I was working in KwaZulu, Butalazi, I, I would... I, I, I would see a tribal system, just like tribal systems in Oklahoma with with uh, indigenous people. I wouldn't see black. I'd see, in the case because we use color codes, just to clarify, I'd see a a, a purple system that was emerging yeah. into a red system, so that black or even Zulu, and my Zulu name is Amazi Muti, was was an unfortunate stereotype that served a purpose. But when you begin to create a new system, you can't use those categories. Right. You have yes. to look in, into the value system domain because that's what predicts and causes behavior. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so so if you if you look at the South African example, what you were saying was in the in the ecosystem of South Africa at that time, around the the, um, the time of the apartheid, um, there were all of the different value systems sort of lived in that same space in sort of equal proportion to what was going on in the rest of the world, and that was why it was such a um, an, an um, incredible laboratory to work with because we have all of those systems at play uh, around the yes. world, yeah, and for sure. and all of. Yeah, and all of the different tensions, and yet there is also, if we sort of circle back to your, um, um, you know, this yeasty time, the expression that you used, which I just loved, this yeasty time that we're in where there is is the potential for humanity uh, to um, navigate, and not all of humanity at once, but um, for a, a, a... percentage of humanity to navigate to a, a sort of a more um, a more whole, but still not fully whole, but a more whole system of values and, and operating in the world. Yes, that's, uh, that's, that's the case. So what we see are not skin color or ethnicity or gender uh, or status. What we see are value systems, and we, we yeah. look at eight of them. And so we shift the perceptual definition of the world uh, out of those categories, and we even yeah. add in the change material. So, the, and so I used to encounter among my Zulus uh, a heavy base purple system. They still sacrifice a goat when they have a wedding, yet they move into Johannesburg and very sophisticated jobs in high tech industries. The the rest of the week. So what you can see is the. The, the movement out of a system, still embracing the traditions, which are important, yet beginning yeah. to overlay more complexity on top of it. So, so the spiral is a is a is an active organism as it's sh- as it's shifting constantly, 
And mm-hmm. so that's what we have to manage. And so we build economic, political, educational, religious systems along that tapestry, that kaleidoscope. And that's right. what makes life so interesting. Yeah. And, I mean, inherent in that is that, that uh, in order to be able to to support the more elegant and, and uh, let we, let, let's say, natural design of the unfolding of all of the different systems that are, the different value systems that exist, um, that requires, uh, that requires uh, so, someone who has the skill to see them all, I mean, and, and, and not um, make any of the, of the, of the systems uh, wrong or incorrect or whatever. Yes. I mean, there's a there's an enormous there's an inherent responsibility and leadership to be able to hold the whole as as good while um, supporting the creation of flow to a higher order system. Well, well stated, and that's that's the charm and the interest of the whole thing because you you can observe movement just like in Australia the Aborigines core system. You can find many. Who are very much like the way it it has always been, yet yet many others, and I've seen this happen even on on some of your track teams. I, I've seen major movement still go home to a basically Aborigine uh, culture, but then are are showing evidence of major movement out of it, and that's that often is what causes a lot of personal problems with people not knowing if if they are. Uh, fish or fowl, not yeah, realizing yeah. that they're that they're in midstream of a major transformation. Yes. So you 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 made this um, statement earlier, which I found quite intriguing, um, and I wonder if you could speak into that. You said, "Back to the future and forward to the past." Yeah, because what's you, what, what's happening now is that that uh, what we're seeing unfolding right in front of us is the whole history of the human species. Because we're witnessing a tribal system beginning to unfold and mature. We're finding evidence, like in the Middle East, of a heavy egocentric-driven uh, system that's full of often violence or creativity, one or the other. We're seeing the formation mm-hmm. of new isms, new one-right-way systems. We're seeing... Millions of people beginning to embrace modern entity and learn to be entrepreneurs and enter that materialistic age. Yet others who have been involved in that materialistic age are now beginning to jettison uh, and begin to move into countercultural belief systems. Uh, here's to you, Mrs. Robinson, and and. That that is an amazing human story because we are witnessing what has happened in the past rehappen for many people in the present and in the future. So it, it means that the human nature is not a fixed type. It turns out that we are an evolutionary intelligence um, as we cope with different life conditions as they change, and certainly mm-hmm. the generational issue is is very critical here as our kids in the 21st century are working up to the to the world of of the social media of of email of facebook and all those things that mm-hmm. we had never encountered or 
could conceive of, much less ourselves or our parents or our grandparents. So, and so that's what life is. Life is is uh, the attempt to cope with changing life conditions as we produce new ones. It means that we still have the old ones that haunt us. Yeah. Yet we we have to learn how to manage them. Otherwise. And that's why Claire Gray used to say, Don, that's why we have the big brain, because we have the kind of neurology that can do that. Mm-hmm. That's that's the amazing thing. It, it, um, but there's a danger as well, um, you know, with this, um, is that... Uh, because there's a humility that comes with with uh, the, the uh, with working in this sort of space. Um, I actually use the word steward, stewardship, yes. uh, because uh, you know th- there can be a righteous arrogance that comes with um, with re- recognizing that you can handle high degrees of complexity. It's a it's a it's a really fine edge, isn't it? Um, ha- have you experienced that yourself? Um, oh in yeah. This type it's, of- it's a- that's a constant uh, kind of challenge, but what I've also found, and because we are now looking at eight systems, when I find yes. evidence of people expressing themselves in, in our our seventh code, which is uh, systemics, and our eighth code, which is the search for a new commons, that those who are thinking those patterns are characterized by humility. Uh, Otherwise, they would be back down in egocentric and authoritarian. Yes. So a lot of people look at that and say, oh, you're claiming to be something you're not. Well, unfortunately, all the evidence, and we've done tons of research in Australia, and so it's not just a fleeting theory. It's a recognition, that, as I say, that human nature possesses an extraordinary resilience for us to create new kinds of worlds as life conditions change. And that's, yes. that's the exciting story. Yes. So you're, you're saying that, that uh, really somebody who's working from a, the either the seventh or the eighth system, it's, it's very unlikely for them to have this... Um, uh, t- um, the righteousness, because um, to actually to actually uh, develop the the capacity to be operating at that sort of complexity, generally eliminates that. Um, it does. Otherwise, they're not in those systems. Because those right. systems, okay. by the time we okay. reach them, we have pretty well okay. purified ourselves. Uh, okay. <laughs> and if, if I can use that term, put your. <laughs> yeah. No. It's. It, I, I think it's. It's. Uh, it's. Um, it's a really good distinction. So I'm going to I'm going to uh, sort of bring this back a little bit to business. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so so because um, the um, you know at 2:23 a.m. is around supporting the individual uh, movement towards wholeness in the expression of business that serves the well-being of all of humanity, and so it's. It's the it's the combination of the two, and you know I I think if we're looking at the world today, there's a there's a, an increasing awareness that the way that we're doing business and enterprise in the world is actually causing significant problems in its current manifestation, and I a lot of the two twenty three a.m. audience find themselves awake 
going, you know, there's, there must be a better way of engaging in business. There must be a better way that we can um, invite um, enterprise participation and, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's this, it's this real call that, um, that is the sort of convening point for 2.23 a.m., so, from your, can you speak about, you know, some of the some of the work with Spiral Dynamics, or can you speak into perhaps that and what you're seeing and and uh, and uh, and what you're experiencing from your global perspective around this? Well, yeah, I, I've uh, I've been involved with John Mackey at Whole Foods Market for some time. I guess Whole yeah. Foods hasn't moved to Australia yet, but no doubt you've you've heard of him and it. Yeah. And and the conscious business movement itself. Yeah. Which is the recognition that there are multiple bottom lines. They're not just one bottom line and they're multiple stakeholders, not just one set of stakeholders, but that business itself has an obligation if it wants to survive. Yeah. To broaden its scope and recognize there are many new challenges and you've had banks in your country who have done very, very well with that awareness, you know, as 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 the question becomes, well, if we if we're just making money, that's one thing, but if in the process of making money we also do good things, and many corporations have disco- discovered, much to their surprise, that when they're doing the right kinds of things, in terms of a consciousness, that they begin to make more money. So it, yeah. it's not an, an either or. So. It's it's also part of this attempt to to mobilize whole communities, home, church, school, law enforcement, of course, sports, and other activities, and we call that a mesh work, the term from brain mm-hmm. sciences, where we now have uh, approaches that enable quite different thinking patterns to find common cause and 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 common strategy through a, a meshing of their particular interests and, and resources. And I think that's that's the great story. And because Australia is where it is, and because certainly relationships with Aborigines people and with with many other elements uh, around the Chinese uh, in, uh, influence, that Australia is in a prime position. And is, in my experience from being there uh, a number of times, some of the most advanced thinking that I've have found, I found there in Australia, and and so you're you're blessed to be where you are, with uh, <laughs> a kind of people. You know, I I used to tease people when when they say, well, didn't uh, didn't the crooks get on ships and and go to Australia, and and the Puritans got on ships and came to the United States? I'd say, which one got the better deal? <laughs> and it could have been Australia. <laughs> well, I, you know, I've always maintained that uh, um, one of the, the the wonderful things about being in Australia is that we're kind of, um, and you know, it's only it's it's representational and not actually true, but we're kind of the arse end of the world. But we have this voyeuristic um, view of what's going on with the world. So there's the, there's this there's this um, fairly objective. View of what is happening, whereas I think in the northern hemisphere, 
a lot is happening in the northern hemisphere. You know, it's it's kind of like that. That's where a lot is happening, and uh, you know, um, America is known to be America centric um, by by its very nature. Whereas Australians have, with that 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 convict sort of attitude, is like, okay, we're not going to follow the rules for a start. But secondly, you know, let us out of here. We've got to discover the world and and travel but there's also this voyeuristic sort of aspect to Australia that that um gives them the uh ability to to observe what's going on and um yeah and I I think that I think that's something that that creates the opportunity for that great thinking unfortunately as the country itself um a lot of that great thinking has to leave the country in order <laughs> to Flourish. Well, <laughs> yeah. But we get, you know, with that, with technology, we're getting to the place where leaving is is becoming less of a requirement now because we can live in a virtual world. Yes, of course. You yeah. know, I, I I can never get crocodile Dundee out of my mind when I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if we if um. You know, one of the things that that I, um, you know, when when I work with spiral dynamics, um, I certainly know that it helps me. As I said earlier, it helps me make sense of what's going on in the world, um, and also removes some of the reductionist and simplistic uh, thinking, which is um, you know always around. Uh, uh, reducing it to color or religion or race or whatever it is. Um, it's interesting actually because we had an incident yesterday where a young man was, um, uh, shot by the police because he, uh, he stabbed, you know, it, it, by all appearances it looks like he was, um, had been influenced by the, the, uh, the very, um, uh, heavy handed fundamentalist, um, jihadist type movement. Around the world, um, and and I'm hearing the actual police talking about what that in, that particular incident and saying this has got nothing to do with race and nothing to do with religion. It's about a young man who was influenced in, inappropriately, and there's been a tragedy and and so on and so forth. So you know, it's really interesting to hear the, this this uh, change in language set um, because. You know, obviously there are also people in Australia and as there are everywhere in the world who will jump on the bandwagon over that um, that's religious or racist or whatever it is. Yeah, well, you know, I've, I've found that that often happens because there's no other explanation. And if, and we found this to be the case, certainly in Australia, certainly with the, one of the very large police uh departments that if they say well that's that's red behavior you know that's that's not religious behavior that's not even anti-social uh anti-first world here we have a heavy red system yeah and, you, and but you have to probe it and test it you don't just leave it at that otherwise you're back to stereotyping again yeah so it, it takes some nuances here in order to sift through what we're really seeing, because this concept yeah. of spiral dynamics is not a behavioral system; it's it's a thinking system. It's it's how people think about things, and and how they value things, which as uh, as opposed to just their belief structures. And so, whenever mm-hmm. a society, through 
city council or our education system or certainly sporting system shifts into this thinking modality, then it's amazing what it does. And I can I can cite the South Africa 1995 World Cup team when yeah. I work with the coach Chris uh, Kids uh, Christie. And if you saw the movie Invictus, have you seen? Yes. That? Well, they saw yes. the impact of spiral dynamics on on creating a nation building euphoria to dissolve the types. So I yes. mean, after that event, so many uh, people became South Africans for the first time. They weren't Zulu yes. or Afrikaans speaking or. They they suddenly identified with the green and gold as South Africans. Yes. That was part of our strategy of superordinate goal formation in order to create some kind of event. And and the Australians, of course, have have done that many, many different times. And probably... Yeah, go ahead. Well, it's, you know, from my observation, and I I haven't been there uh, recently, it's just... Amazing what the world thinks about the Australians. Probably the most popular uh, nation on the planet, and 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 there are reasons for it. And you you have reason to be pleased and proud with with uh, what you've created. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that you can deal with the immigration issue easily, because boat people love to get there as soon as they can. But it it also means that there there's a healthy entity there that. Uh, 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 Australians stand on the shoulders of so many excellent people, uh, and especially when you became much more independent. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's really a joy to see, you know, what's going on. Mm. The the uh, Invictus uh, piece was a really um, is, a, is such a wonderful metaphor, even of like um, of the working um, style dynamics model, because as you said. Uh, and, and this this really becomes the the imperative of leadership and stewardship is um, how to design uh, a solution that um, you know brings all of the conflicting parties together in a way that they probably don't even realise that that is happening is is what's going on um, and yet it adds value to the lives of everyone in the process of doing that. Yeah, when when Elsa and I first went to Israel, uh, it was clear that the real topic was the asymmetrics between Palestinians and Israelis. Yeah, uh, all kind of reasons for those uh, h- historical, the the diaspora, uh, all the Nobel yeah. Prize winning uh, is- Israelis and all, and and so it was so clear, and so that's why we decided. Uh, to focus our energy on building Palestine, uh, and it was remarkable what happened. And so we ran a summit, and we we drew 700 Palestinians. We were expecting 300, and they just flocked in off those buses. And and we spent the time not condemning Israel or complaining about the uh, the occupation, rather on building Palestine. And the creative energy that came out of that session, oh my goodness, Christine, you would you would just loved it, and so that mm. taught us a very important lesson. And 
and we've been invited back now to work with the PLO to fend off the the Hamas challenge. So it's it's possible to perform miracles nowadays if one Mm. is able to to change the categories of people and and see how they can fit together. So we use what's called a natural design in order to do that. And and we had teams working in Iceland that were that rescued Iceland from its financial crisis through uh, through uh, national assemblies, and so there's there's a new energy on on the planet that that, that I saw uh, certainly outlined by Claire Graves years ago, and of course there there, there are other other groups doing wonderful things uh, as well, but the mm. the human possibilities here to take charge of our own future. Uh, is is uh, is real and present, and and should excite uh, excite us yeah. because of that. So circling back to the um, the Palestinian Israeli, you you said the asymmetries, and so and I'm obviously aware of of some of those, but you know I would imagine that there are there are quite a few asymmetries, you know, in education, in um, actual. Um, development in um, knowledge access, in financial access, in you know even medical access—is that the type of asymmetries that you're talking about? Yes, it is. And and so, uh, whenever someone would challenge that, I said, if you get the bird flu, okay, or Ebola in yes. this case, yeah, uh, are, are you going to Jordan for medical care? No, we're we're going to Israel. Israel? Why Israel? Well, because we all know they have the advanced medicine that none of the other Arab, uh, none of the Arab countries have. Yes. Then why, why do you want to get rid of Israel? So whenever you reframe the issues you know, out of the historic who owns what, who was where, the, the first. Uh, but if you look at, at the competency layers necessary for survival, uh, a couple guys from Hamas uh, took me to... To uh, to lunch one day, and they said, "Now, Doctor Beck, you know we have a code of honor here among uh, Palestinians. I got the key to my grandfather's house. Here it is." And he showed it to me. If I can't get that house back that the Jews took in 1948, I'm not a real man. Oh, right. So the key is he wants to be a real man. Mm-hmm. So I said, what if I could show you a better way to be a real man? Would you be interested? So what do you mean? What if I can show you how to build an education system for your grandchildren? Now that's being a real man. <laughs> so rather than challenge that value system, then I said, chances are um, that that house is gone anyway. Have, have, have you been to see where it was? He said, yeah, it's not there anymore. Well... That says something. Or whenever some of the young lads say, now, Dr. Beck, we want to die in the jihad cause. Why? Because there's 72 brown-eyed maidens there waiting for us. I said, yeah. And that also means 72 mothers-in-law. <laughs> well, I, I had that kind of relationship, you see, where I could say that. And they said, well, you know, we hadn't thought of that. What, one guy, the the... The other day, they actually um, got a big piece of concrete uh, to put over his private parts and strap it across there, and and said, if 
if I ever get killed, I want to be sure that my private parts have not been injured because I want to enjoy those maidens. Now, that that happens because right. that's, yeah. that's a true belief, and I, and I don't really poke fun at it at all. But if I have the kind of relationship, I can begin to get people thinking differently and seeing and seeing the prospects and the, and the possibilities that exist mm. and why, as long as they are victimized uh, and allow themselves to be that, then that's what will happen. So yeah. the the energy I found is just right. And and let me tell you, Elsa Malouf, and she had just written a book. Uh, called emerge, and and that it it looks at 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 the different management systems, and particularly how the the Arab cultures are, are on the rise. That if you can begin to see that huge possibility, then and and that's why we we did a piece on on the Hong Kong of the Middle East, and that we would have them think about a relationship with. Israelis, because of the fantastic ability in Israel in their high-tech sector to create new uh, technologies. And and so many of those Palestinian kids, I call them, I call everybody a kid nowadays. Uh, yeah. <laughs> college degrees, full of energy, could be great salesmen all over the Middle East. Imagine what could happen. So we have them fill in what they can contribute to that. So change from what to what. And so yeah. rather than horse trade, we'll give you this and you give us that and we'll, and we'll take this part of the East Bank in Jerusalem and you can have that. Uh-uh, no. Because the gaps are too wide. They cannot be negotiated. That's why they haven't been. But whenever we lay, lay out a natural design process, that excites them in the ways that I've never seen before. So we, we've moved pretty much out of working in what's called dialogue uh, or debate or deliberation into the, the beauty and glory of natural design to design yeah. a new system. And that's one way to do that momentous leap that Claire Graves used, uh, used to talk about. So I'm going to ask you, um, and this is just something that I've been um, really contemplating of late around this emergent and and uh, the sort of um, large communities uh, in Australia and the United States, in France and in the UK and so on, that um, are getting a stronger and stronger um, um, Muslim sort of presence. Um, I'm going to speak about the the covering of women, <laughs> and because I've been thinking a lot about this, and I've been thinking a lot about not just the covering of women, but the the um, you know the issues with um, not even discrimination, but it's 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 deeply entrenched cultural divisions between the male and the female, and and so on and so forth. And, you know, obviously, as as a general humanity, we're making progress. But you know, this is this is. I think this is where, in 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 the whole scheme of things, as a general, we're making progress. And then we have this 
um, you know, more and more on our streets, we're seeing women that are completely covered. And, and you, know, you know, on a personal level, I go, well, you can wear what you like. But on another level, I go, well, you know, is it really their choice? Is it a cultural choice? Are they forced to do that? You know, what is the, and, you know, how does that fit into a society called Australia? And, you know, how does it affect me? So I'd really love to hear, just generally, personally, your your thoughts on you know those particular tensions from a sort of style dynamics point of view, and and you know some of the some of the ideas around how we might more elegantly address those. Uh, you you want to get me in trouble, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a hot issue, you know. And it, it's, is, it's definitely it is. One... And, and I, I I approach it from multiple. One is it's a safety issue. Uh, because if we can't see what people are doing because they're so covered or just that slit that that they're peeking through, then to me that violates the whole concept of community. So I'm 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 not very happy when I see that. Yet like you, I recognize the importance and and whenever I've tracked it, it goes back to to male jealousy, not wanting his woman to be appealing and so mm-hmm. he covers her up and I think as as long as males are egocentric with maybe too much testosterone level in them then it it produces that yeah, even Catholic you know women you know have on drapes in, in some Christian and, and Jewish areas but it's 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 not as pronounced and I, I I just think over time there'll be less and less of that, but for c- community safety reasons, certainly police talk about that a lot to us. Then they simply got to see more who's in that car driving when they can't see it. Then that produces some very serious problems for them. So there's a there's a high functional reason, and so what we have done over the, the years is replaced often traditional behavior with functional behavior, which mm-hmm. is the seventh level code. Is it functional versus right. is it traditional? And so that's that's how I think about it. Although uh, I I have some very good friends who are who are is Islamic women. Uh I I've I've never seen any of them fully clothed with 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 the black that, that I could you, know, you can't see anything. Uh, other than that slit that that they look through, yeah. And I think as women get more rights and responsibilities publicly, and want to hold jobs, you know what they have to deal with a diverse public, then that will begin to to be minimized. Mm. So I I don't like drawing lines like that. But at, yeah. at, at the same time, there are functional reasons for doing and saying. Of course, the French have this problem constantly. So yeah, we yeah. seldom see that here in Texas. It's too hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's an interesting point, though, that you raised, that, and I'd never really thought of it. I get the functional behavior around um, the that that uh, from security and, and that, that's, uh, you know, even wearing a bike, a, a motorcycle helmet is, uh, you have to take them off to go into banks and et cetera, et cetera. So I understand that, but I'd never really thought that, that being completely shrouded, um, unless you're with 
all people, all women who are completely shrouded, there's actually an isolation from the community engagement. There's a, there's, and I'd never really thought about that. It's, it's, it creates a, um, a forced boundary between um, me, for example, being able to, to connect with somebody. And, and I, you know, I think that's a really interesting point. Um, it's, 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 uh, dangerous. Yeah. It, it, it's also a danger to them personally. So, which, oh yeah, well of course because um, you know they're they're wearing a brand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and the brand is speaking volumes, and it and it um, creates uh, a lot of confusion and tension, particularly in the times that we have. Um, so you know it's 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 uh, you know like a walking target. Yeah, I understand. It's very interesting. We, we we do we live in very interesting times. So, what's your you know where are you? Um, where's the focus of your energy? And I know that you're you've been doing this for a long time, and you're not a spring chicken, Don. But what's the focus of your energy? And, what do you mean uh, you I'm know, not a spring forward? chicken? Does that make me an old rooster or something? What's a spring chicken? <laughs> <laughs> I could say I could say the same about me, but I'm not going to. <laughs> no, 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 what I say anything yet. Well, you know, it's uh, I, I am who and what I am. I have good genes from my parents, and yeah. I'm, I'm still pretty lively and quick and full of yeah. energy and mischief as usual. So yeah. it's it's not time for me to disappear, even though the one one of the creators of the Obama health care system announced yesterday. That people should be willing to die when, when they reach seventy-five. Oh, okay. <laughs> seventy-five <laughs> now is, is is when we should all, you know, <laughs> disappear. He says. Well, oh, okay. I'm sorry. You know, I, I'm I'm not going to volunteer for the Obama medical care system. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Me neither. Uh, so yeah, seventy-five is a good time to roll up your sleeves and get to it. Well, that, <laughs> As in that's work, true. I mean, I, I I have a lot of work to do. I can't. Yeah, and, and 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 there's some advantage in us older people because we've seen a lot more than the kids have seen. They don't they they don't know it yet. One of these days we'll teach them. So that's that's the. <laughs> it's called it's called getting older. <laughs> oh, it is for sure. Yeah, and I I, I have a, I have a lovely bride. I call her. Well, she 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 calls me her trophy husband. So. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so, we've been married so what, uh, 54 years, so you know we we're having holy a great time. Molly. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, so tell me, what is it that you're? What are the most um, pressing areas of your work at this particular time? Well, I, I I decided some time ago that I wouldn't write a continuous stream of books. I would rather work with indigenous people, and I and I I don't mean indigenous. I mean local people in cultures. For them to write books, and so mm-hmm. Elsa and her husband Saeed, and there are about seven people who who have written books on spirodynamics that I've helped them with because they speak the language and they understand the culture, and I'm leaving mm-hmm. them with a a money generating opportunity. So my, my my strategy, I guess, is is different from others, and I've, I've written three books, yet I, I take great joy in assisting someone well like Elsa whose whose book uh, Emerge is brilliant because she's from 
Leviton. I mean, she's uh, yeah. an attorney, and she speaks so well. And I could never understand Lebanese culture. I love the food, but I could never understand the culture. So she mm. and her husband, Saeed, who's also from there, and Saeed's book is, is on the economic system. Well, yeah. they're, they're going to have an audience and money-making possibilities for years and years to come when I'm long gone. Well, to me, yeah. that's that's my obligation. So I take great pride in in uh, in doing that kind of thing. Okay, in supporting in supporting the legacy of of your work, really through um, through other people. Well, that's what Claire Grace did. You know, did with me. He he wasn't able to write another book, but he said, I, "I'm going to work through you." So he that's yeah. why he took he, he he took me under wing, and, and we had such a positive relationship. Yes. Oh. Yes. Yeah. So circling, just sort of circling back to the the beginning, just as we sort of close, you when I asked you really to to um, about uh, the um, you know the the concerns or the feelings that you have in the in the quiet hours of your of your reflection, it's this this yeasty uh, time, and uh, and and that we're going through this this transition. But you have a you you had a really positive. Frame of holding that, um, yeah, and you know, and even though it's been uh, sometimes controversial, uh, I've I've been thinking a lot about humanity's master code. Yeah, just like there's one in genetics, there's one in memetics, and that's what occurred to me with Claire Gray's work that he was the first to really uncover because he was not content to simply design the next system, but why was next is next that. And because his framework looks at any piece of humanity, life conditions, capacities of people, time and place, geography, all those things, that from that gestalt of conditions comes a natural value system. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the master code is how human nature creates a culture and how yes. when it changes a culture. So it's it's not an authoritarian system, rather it's mm. it's a master key, and what I think I stumbled onto through no fault of skill of my own is an understanding more and more of that master code idea, so I can teach people to diagnose a problem and a situation, and the potentials, much more quickly, and from that mm-hmm. help to craft a natural design that matches mm-hmm. those people and their conditions and their capabilities, which to me is the highest level of caring that there is. So a lot of my thinking has matured over the years uh, in looking at everything I've done is sense that there's a pattern to it, not not a, what I call a blue absolutistic pattern, but a dynamic process that creates the patterns. Yeah, so one, yeah. one can go anywhere in Australia, and because Perth is different from Sydney, and certainly from Brisbane, and see that there are variations there. And so, the form of local government will reflect those unique differences. Yeah, I can't talk about the outback because I got no idea where that is. Okay, so what I'm hearing is that the the um, the optimistic view around the master code. Um, is and it's not unlike um, I've 
spent a lot of time studying the work of Buckminster Fuller. And he oh, called, sure, yes. He, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. he, he calls, um, he, he uses the expression pattern integrity. Yes, that's good. Um, which, I, which I really love. But there's, 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 um, this, there's this, amongst all of the chaos and confusion and disorder and, and mishmash and mash-up and et cetera, et cetera, there is a theme or a thread or a code or a, an unfolding, a directionality um, or something um, that, uh, and I think this is kind of speaks back to back to the future and forward to the past, that we can, we can actually look back at, uh, at humanity and where we've come from in our, in our, you know, the records that we've kept so far and see that there is this tra- trajectory. Yes, and, excellent. And yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's, it's the, um, you know, there's a part of this is, is as we become able to hold more and more complexity that we don't, uh, um, you know, it's a little bit like parenting a child. A large part of parenting a child is creating the space and the container for the child to flourish and not tampering with the the, um, the, the child itself because, you know, that, that can, um, I, I always felt this about my daughter, was my, my responsibility was to give her the environment in which she could be her best um, rather than try and put my fingerprints all over it because that was not going to serve her. And so there's this, there's this, um, requirement for leaders and, uh, and people who are really holding the space for this natural master code to emerge, um, and to know the distinction between when to tamper or, you know, when to do something like, uh, you know, was depicted in, in Victor's the movie and when to, to not do anything at all, yes, um, and and just sort of again, just sort of hold the space for what is emerging. Ah, good for you, yeah. But Mr. Foley yeah. is a giant. I mean, he really saw and understood these things from architecture to human systems, and so yeah. there, there have been there have been giants like that in our background who, if we could digest those, then we'd come up with something very powerful. Not really. It's what interests me, and because I started working with Claire Grace personally, and that was his theme. That's why I I jumped on it because I could I could do yeah. no other. Yeah. 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 So so um, even and and the other thing that I I feel that we jump up and down as this sort of um, highly wired and connected community and say you know it's the it's the uh, you know we're at the most critical time and yada 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 I'm going well actually I don't know whether we are I mean I think there's been a lot of critical times for the last sure, two thousand yeah. years of history and. And and personally, I don't, you know, I've seen a lot worse, and well, I haven't because I wasn't around then. But I've read that there was a lot worse, um, you know. And so, um, but that doesn't take away from us needing to, um, uh, as you spoke about, you know, it, it requires it requires participation and people to actually stand up and and act and make choices that are are more um, embracing of the healthy future of humanity versus. Uh, yes, good. Good you know, for you. The, yeah. the destruction. Yeah, yeah. And so, so I, I, um, it, it's really good to hear from your perspective because having um, studied with you and and so on over the years, you know, I know how vast your perspective is. That there is this positive thread to where we're going as a humanity, and let's hope that that uh, um, that there are enough people. 
that have the, the, the sensibility to ensure that that happens. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It's, it's, lovely, it's lovely hearing your Australian accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. So I wanted to thank you. <laughs> I wanted to thank you very much for uh, joining, uh, joining us on the podcast today, Don, and... Um, uh, I really appreciate the work that you've done in the world. I don't think I think you're one of those people that will be more appreciated sometime down the track, as as was Bucky, you know, um, sometime yes, down the track than so. in your yeah. in, in your current in your current form. But uh, um, I know your commitment is high, and I really appreciate and value that you're still at the coalface. Well, you know, you know my favorite saying. What's that? No more prizes for forecasting the rain, only prizes for building the ark. All right. Yes. (laughs) All right. Hey, thanks. Thanks a lot. I've enjoyed talking to you. Thanks, Don. Okay, bye. If you want more of 223 AM, then you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or go to the blog of 223am.com. That's blog.223am.com, where you'll find articles and interviews featuring stellar guests from around the world, plus tools and resources, and much, much more. Follow 223am on Twitter at twitter.com slash 2 underscore 23am. That's 2 underscore 23am. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash 0223am. Till next time, thank you for listening.